Hello and welcome back to Matt's Employment Law and HR podcast. I appreciate this is the first update that we've done in a little while. Um, but one thing that I can say for certain is that it hasn't taken as long for us to produce this episode of our podcast as it has done for the government to respond on its own consultation on sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, so let me set the scene for you. So today we are going to be talking about uh, sexual harassment and specifically what the government intends to do and how the government intends to respond to the uh, the widespread allegations uh, that came out in 2017. Um, so this, is, of course, is the widespread allegations of sexual abuse that, in the first instance, um, centred around Harvey Weinstein. And when they first became public, um, that then resulted in the widespread media coverage and the, the Me Too movement, um, albeit that actually the Me Too movement had been around since uh, 2006. But it was this high-profile case involving Harvey Weinstein that brought sexual harassment and particularly uh, sexual harassment by powerful individuals and the way in which they can manipulate their organizations and uh, that they work within to cover up their acts of uh, sexual harassment. In the UK we had our own high profile individuals who were also caught up in allegations of uh, sexual harassment including uh, Sir Philip Green in October 2018. And one of the issues that came out of the Philip Green allegations, uh, and also allegations of, of others as well, were that in particular confidentiality clauses, of course along with money, were being used in settlement agreements in order to effectively cover up acts of discrimination. Now, the government then did uh, undertake a consultation in relation to those uh, the use of those confidentiality clauses, but we haven't got the outcome of that consultation yet, so I'm not actually addressing that specific issue in this podcast. Rather, what I'm doing is I'm um, <clears throat> talking about the government consultation document that the government published back in 2019, so two years ago now, which proposed a number of steps which could be taken from a legislative perspective to provide greater protection um, against sexual harassment in the workplace for workers. Um, now this document was in itself a follow-up to a report that was published by the Women Inequalities Select Committee uh, that was published towards the end of 2018. So as you can see it really has taken us some time uh, to get to this stage and just to let you know what I mean by this stage um, what has now happened is that the government has published their response to the consultation. So there's no draft legislation, so we're still some fair way off actual change taking place, but this is a significant uh, step. Now, again, just to wind back to the uh, period of between July and October 2019, um, which is when the consultation was taking place. So what proposals were actually included within that consultation document? Well. First of all, the first proposal was, or should I say, the first uh, issue to be consulted upon was how to ensure employers take preventative steps in relation to harassment. So namely, whether it, it is appropriate to place a specific legal duty on employers to prevent harassment, rather than the current law, uh, which of course is uh, in the Equality Act of 2010, which provides employers with a defence if they have taken all reasonable steps to prevent harassment. So it's putting a proactive, actual, preventative requirement on employees to stop the harassment from 
uh, taking place in the first place, rather than providing employers with a defence uh, against the harassment. Although, just to be clear on that point, the government isn't proposing to take that defence away. It, this is in addition to uh, the existing reasonable steps defence. So that's the first point. So the duty to prevent harassment. The second point was the law surrounding uh, em employers protecting their staff from being harassed by clients, customers, or other people from outside their organisation. So commonly referred to as third-party harassment. So this is where an individual, for example, would be harassed by uh, the delivery driver or harassed by a customer. And it actually... Um, is something that we used to have in law. We did have it between 2010 and 2013, and I'll turn to that when we when I get into the detail of this section, but then that was repealed. So currently there is no protection at all for harassment um, for third parties, <clears throat> not within the Equality Act itself anyway. Um, it also proposed whether people should be given longer to bring a harassment or discrimination claim to an employment tribunal. So as I'm sure you're all aware at the moment, everyone needs to be able to bring their employment tribunal claim within three months of the act of discrimination. Um, so it's whether that period of time should be longer. And it also looked at interns and volunteers and whether they are adequately protected under the current law. So those are the proposals or the issues that were covered in the uh, consultation document two years ago. So. Here we are now, nearly two years after that consultation process closed, and the government has finally published the outcome and published their response. So first, let's take that first point about the duty to uh, take preventative steps in relation to harassment. So this looks at introducing a specific duty requiring employers to prevent sexual harassment in their workplace. So this is going to reformulate the law. As I just uh, mentioned, as I just spoke about, under the current law, an employer is only liable if an incident actually occurs and they have failed to take reasonable steps to prevent that act from occurring. Now, the proposed new law, which has received support from the government in this consultation outcome, shifts the emphasis to taking preventative measures before an event of sexual harassment occurs. But what needs to happen doesn't really change though. Employers would still need to take all reasonable steps to prevent harassment from taking place, as is the case in relation to the defence that employers have got at the moment. But the legal change, and it is quite a significant one, would be that an employer could be held to account and be held liable for failing to st take those steps to prevent harassment, even without an incident taking place. So this would be a significant change in the potential liability for employers as it would require employers to keep all of their preventative measures up to date. In effect, in my view, it would require all employers to ensure that they have effective policies and company-wide training in place at all times, meaning that their training activities should be updated on an annual basis, possibly in the same way that other regulatory training such as health and safety is regularly updated. So the government has now stated that it will legislate to require employees to take these proactive and preventative measures, these reasonable steps. 
and that they will introduce new, this new legislation, quote, as soon as parliamentary time allows. So we don't have a timetable yet, I'm afraid. Also, what isn't clear at this stage is how the enforcement of this will work. Will it be an enforcement action by the Equality and Human Rights Commission only against an employer? Or will individuals actually be able to enforce this duty as well? Now, it would appear that from the government's response that it's going to be limited only to enforcement by the Equality and Human Rights Commission, as this is where the focus of the response by the government is. What they've said is that they would then include within that a creation of a new statutory code of practice for employers to comply with, and also guidance. It's then considered that this will result in greater awareness by all workers in organisations. Obviously, if employers are proactively um, promoting a workplace free of harassment and monitoring that uh, the workplace as well and accordingly workers are going to be better informed about how to complain to their employer or bring legal challenges and so therefore it looks as if the, as if the individual enforcement regime is likely to remain the same namely that the individual is going to have to be subject to sexual harassment in order to bring uh, any claim but that the EHRC could potentially intervene and take action against the employer to enforce them uh, to take the preventative steps that are set out um, within the revised legislation. Now obviously we're going to have to wait to see what the uh, what the draft legislation actually looks like when we get there and to what extent this enforcement regime is going to go to work. Another point that is not clear from this consultation as well is whether this will go beyond sexual harassment. Now, of course, the original consultation that was published back in 2019 was as a consequence of the Me Too movement. And so the focus of it has been very much on preventing sexual harassment. But of course, in the meantime, because two years have since passed, we've also seen significant social issues in respect of racial harassment. And of course, why should racial harassment uh, be left out of this specific legal duty to prevent harassment? So this isn't clear, but I would not expect it to be, uh, when the legislation is published, to be focused solely upon sexual harassment. I would expect this to be to apply to all of the protected characteristics and apply to harassment and the obligations um, uh, that employers will have to take will apply to all of those protected characteristics, all nine of them. Um, so yes, we do expect it to be more wide-ranging than just sexual harassment. Um, well, we'll need to wait and see, but it would be very logical for that to be the approach, as otherwise we will end up having a tiered system in relation to the protected characteristics, which would not be at all uh, helpful, I don't believe. So that's the uh, the duty to uh, prevent harassment, which we will expect draft legislation to be published in due course. Now, another area that the consultation looked at, as I mentioned, was at harassment by third parties. Now, those of you that have been in this business for long enough will remember that when the Equality Act was introduced in 2010, 
that Section 40 of that Act provided that an employer would be liable if one of their workers was harassed on three separate occasions by a third party, effectively introducing a three strikes rule. This was repealed in 2013, and since then there has been no protection in law uh, from harassment by third parties unless the employer could have reasonably foreseen that their workers were being placed at risk, as was established in the um, now quite old case of De Vere Hotels involving the 1970s racist comedian Bernard Manning and a number of hotel workers. Um, and so the government response to this consultation is that some protection from harassment by third parties needs to be introduced, or should I say, reintroduced. This is not going to be a duty to prevent harassment by third parties in the same way that the general preventative duty that I've just spoken about before um, uh, sets out. Rather, this will be a legal protection that can be enforced by an individual when an act of harassment by a third party actually occurs. The government has said that the reasonable steps defence will continue to apply and therefore if an employer has taken all reasonable steps to prevent harassment by third parties actually taking place then there will be no liability on the employer. The worker will of course be free to sue the individual involved as is the case now. But what we're not clear on at this stage is whether the worker, your worker, would also be able to litigate against the employer of the third party. Now that would appear to me to be a potentially interesting and effective way of addressing third party harassment, but I suspect it's one that the government isn't going to go anywhere near. But we'll have to wait and see because there is an awful lot of detail that is missing from this at the moment. For example, in the consultation there's no reference to whether they intend to replicate the old three strikes rule or not. In fact, they've made no comment in relation to that at all. Um, and so the consultation does seem, when you're reading it, does seem to be more focused upon um, the use of the reasonable steps defence um, in relation to third party harassment. And so what I suspect is going to happen here is that we're not going to have a three strikes rule and that employees and workers will be able to bring harassment claims uh, for acts of harassment by third parties, even if it's only a one-off occasion. Um, but then the employer of that worker, your worker, will then have to show that you've taken the reasonable steps to prevent uh, that third party from harassing your worker. Um, there was discussion in the consultation, or should I say in the government's response to the consultation, about how explicit um, legislation should be about what is meant by all reasonable steps. And the government has said that it doesn't intend to be explicit, so it's not going to change the legislation in relation to reasonable steps by explicitly stating what steps should be taken. Because what what they say anyway is that they they believe that there is a risk, and I do agree with them that there is a risk of this, um, but there is a risk of creating a tick, tick box approach amongst employers to the defence. And therefore, by having that approach, it creates inflexibility. It means that the reasonable steps defences don't fit particular types of organisations. And also it means that it doesn't really address workplace cultures and the specific needs of different workplaces. Albeit that I still think setting a, a minimum bar in terms of what would normally be expected would be 
um, helpful guidance for a number of employers because without anything that explicitly states that employers must do X, Y, and Z, then obviously there will be many employers that then believe that they don't have to do X, Y, and Z. But perhaps this could be picked up in perhaps in a code of practice that the government has already referred to as well. So perhaps they can provide further guidance around the reasonable steps defence in that uh, code, statutory code of practice that they have already indicated will be published in due course. Another very key point, that key issue that's been um, uh, consulted upon is the time limit for tribunal uh, claims, so the employment tribunal claims. Now, there is, of course, as there are for almost all employment tribunal claims, a three-month time limit for bringing a claim of sexual harassment, and indeed any form of harassment. Now, this has caused significant difficulties in many cases. Now, I've certainly represented individual clients in cases where they've been subjected to fairly systematic acts of sexual harassment over many months and years. And employers in these circumstances, when a claim is then brought, will then often argue that those acts are not connected with one another, which can then ultimately render a lot of these claims out of time um, and inadmissible. And so we then, and as we've seen in the Me Too movement itself, trauma that individuals experience and frequently experienced by um, as a result of the uh, acts of sexual harassment that they've been subjected to and of course other forms of harassment as well that frequently prevents individuals from bringing claims within the short window of three months that is legally provided for and of course this is particularly true if the employee is either pregnant or on maternity leave where unsurprisingly the focus of their attention is going to be elsewhere at that time. There are also often issues about internal investigations and particularly where there are sensitive um, claims of or allegations I should say of uh, sexual harassment that those investigations can often take some time which then be maybe more than three months from the original discriminatory act that then just simply by, by the very fact that the employee has been waiting for their matter to hopefully be resolved uh, through the internal grievance process that they've then missed their three-month um, time limit and so it can really prove very practically problematic now the majority of the respondents to this consultation reported that they considered the three-month time limit to be sh too short um, it was just under 60% that indicated that. And of those that said it was too short, there was pretty much a 50-50 split on then on whether the time limit should either be six months or a period of more than six months, with the most common of those who wished there to be a period of more than six months indicating that the time limit should be 12 months. The government has agreed that the time limit should be increased. Uh, so that isn't particularly unsurprising because that is something that has been um, trailed for quite some time in terms of the difficulties that individuals have in bringing discrimination claims. It, they have accepted that it would help individuals to be able to have access to justice and to bring their legal claims of harassment if the time limit was extended. 
they've also said that that time limit shouldn't be extended just for harassment claims, but for all Equality Act-based claims. So including direct discrimination, indirect discrimination, victimization, and also various uh, the various strands of disability claims. The government has, n- has not committed to what this new time limit should be, but has recommended at this stage that it should be extended to six months. Now, again, and this is the common theme that is now beginning to uh, come out of this consultation, is that we're simply not clear about when this might happen because there, there is clearly a, an attempt to manage expectations in the government's response because they have stated that they are particularly conscious of the pressure and workload that the employment tribunal system is under at the moment and that the extension of the time limit would, as day follows night, result in a greater number of claims being presented and to do so at a period of time when the employment tribunal system is itself under such strain um, is not considered to be appropriate at this time. So I wouldn't anticipate that there is going to be a change in the time limit for at least a further year. However, the government has said that they're going to keep this under review and they're going to be mindful of any uh, draft legislation that might be published in terms of ensuring that the employment tribunal system is going to be ready to respond. In effect, I I, I think where we're going to get with this is that, of course, there has been a a significant increase of claims because of the number of redundancies as a consequence of the COVID pandemic. And so it's going to take some time then for those claims to work their way through the system. But once those claims then begin to hopefully drop off, um, albeit that, of course, we're very close to the end of uh, September now, and it's going to be incredibly interesting to see quite how many people are then going to be made redundant when the furlough scheme ends at the end of September and whether that is then going to result in another peak of claims for the employment tribunal system. Um, I would expect that to be the case but uh, of course that we'll have to actually wait and see quite how those figures pan out. Um, so yes, an increase in the time limit to six months for all discrimination claims looks very likely, but just not very clear as to when that might happen. And the final area of the consultation, so we've spoken about the main ones, the final area of the consultation concerns protection in law for volunteers and interns. Now, within this consultation, it it does make a distinction between pure volunteers and those who are working for free to gain experience in a particular industry. Um, commonly known as obviously uh, interns but that these people the interns are therefore particularly vulnerable in the workplace as they are almost certainly going to be very junior and are also reliant on the goodwill of the organization to provide them with the experience that they need in order to gain entry to their chosen profession so effectively they are probably one of the most vulnerable groups um, uh, within employment Now, the government has also highlighted that there are other groups who can fall outside the scope of the Protection of the Equality Act on occasions. And what they've said is that rather than address this in an isolated uh, consultation in relation to sexual harassment, um, that the issue of who is protected under the Equality Act um, should be dealt with as part of a wider review of the Equality Act in the future. So... Employers, though, should be aware that whilst volunteers and interns may not have protection under the Equality Act, they may still be protected under other legislation, such as the Protection from Harassment Act, 1997, 
health and safety legislation and also under the common law duty of care that employers owe to their workers. So, all in all, this is encouraging movement from the government to finally, finally pull together the outputs of a consultation, a really quite important consultation that was undertaken some two years ago now. So to just to briefly summarise the main recommendations, they are that there will be a duty placed on employers to take steps to prevent harassment taking place in the workplace. And that this obligation, this duty, is likely to be enforced by the Equality and Human Rights Commission in conjunction with a statutory code of practice um, and also employer guidance. Um, that, secondly, harassment by third parties will be reintroduced, albeit in a somewhat revised form from that which we had seen between 2010 and 2013. Nature of the proposal is somewhat vague at the moment, so we can't really assess quite what this means, but it looks like there's going to be a significant emphasis on the reasonable steps defence. So we need to be, uh, as employers, we need to be clear about um, what our reasonable steps defence is, what steps we are taking to prevent harassment. And of course, that will then um, tie in with the duty that's going to be placed on us all in any event. And then finally, that time limits in all discrimination cases will increase to six months, although the timing of that is uncertain given the strain that the employment tribunal system is currently experiencing. Now, all of this still requires legislation to be published, and the outcome of this consultation and the government's response is just the first step. And as I said, and as I keep saying, it's one that the government has taken two years to get to, so any predictions about how long it's going to take us to get to the draft legislation step is um, anyone's guess. One would hope that we would see some proposals in the Queen's speech in May of next year, um, which would then put in place some legislation uh, in the uh, parliamentary year of 2022 to 2023. Obviously, we'll keep you informed of developments um, as they happen. Um, Thank you very much for listening. I know it's been some time. I hope that that was uh, a relatively informative session for you. Please do subscribe to these podcasts. Give us a like. It always helps um, promote the content to others as well. And please do share amongst your colleagues as well if you think there's going to be anyone within your business, uh, be they um, your senior managers, uh, anyone within your HR team, or just a colleague or a friend that perhaps would find this of interest, then please do pass it on to them. Um, in the meantime, I will look forward to speaking to you in our next podcast, which I assure you won't be as long in the future as this one. Thanks again. Take care. Bye.